Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 51. If you don't have a Bible with you today, you can follow along on the screen or on your Bible app or any number of different ways you can do that. But uh, Isaiah chapter 51, we'll begin at verse 21. It says, but now listen to this, you afflicted ones who sit in a drunken stupor, though not from drinking wine. This is what the sovereign Lord says, your God, your defender. This is what he says. See, I have taken this terrible cup from your hands. You will drink no more of my fury. Instead, I will hand that cup to your tormentors, those who said, we will trample you into the dust and walk on your backs. Now, some of y'all are like, man, what in the world is he going to talk about today? Well, I'm going to talk to you today from the, uh, from the passage, verse 21, uh, where it starts off. It says, now listen to this. You afflicted ones who sit in a drunken stupor, though not from drinking wine. My title is, Are We Listening? Are We Listening? Uh, let's pray. Ask the Lord to help us today, can we? Father, I thank you for the opportunity once again to be in your house, to celebrate you, to embrace your word. Lord, I ask you to make space in my heart today, Lord, for a fresh row of your seed to be planted into my life. Allow that seed to grow and to become what you want it to be in me. Let your word do its perfect work in our lives today. Let us be challenged. Let us be changed. Let us walk out of this place knowing we've heard from your word today. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, as we swiftly approach the end of 2021 and we look forward to 2022, uh, to me, this is kind of the time of year from Thanksgiving to New Year's. It's a great time for reflection as well as looking forward in faith for what is to come. Yeah, we want to look back. We want to thank God for the things that have occurred, and I'm so thankful for so many things. But I also want to take a moment and look forward to what things that God has in our future. I think so many times if we aren't careful, we can spend so much time rehearsing all the negative things going on in our world or being consumed by the societal and cultural frustrations that are going on all around us. We can spend so much time engrossed in all of the world's drama that's unfolding around us daily. Or sometimes we can spend a lot of time being engrossed in our own drama, the negative things that may have occurred in our own lives, the times that we failed or the times that we fell flat on our face or the times that in frustration we nearly quit. Or we can spend so much time drinking in all of our own battles that we are currently fighting or the losses that we have endured or the struggles that are beating us down. We can even spend a lot of time staring at the devil and all of the evil that is going on in our world and cause ourselves to become fearful and worrisome and even begin to question our faith. And right now, our world has been really on a two-year bender of consumed consummation of losses and infighting and sickness and disease and political drama and social unrest and financial upheaval and gas prices increasing and inflation in the marketplace and shipping containers filled with all your Christmas holiday purchases out on ships at sea and ports and you think maybe I got to rent a boat and go get some myself. What was up is now down and what was right is now left and The world seems to be turning in on itself, and the things that you once counted on for stability are now being shaken. The Bible describes a time when everything that can be shaken will be, and those things that can't be shaken will remain. And perhaps that's the time frame that we are in. Perhaps we are at a time when all of the things that we have counted on are known for sure are being shaken, and what those things that cannot be shaken, that's what we're going to have to count on. And if we aren't careful, we can spend so much time consumed by all the stuff that is going on around us that we lose sight of what God is doing and what God is saying in the midst of the chaos, what God is speaking in the midst of the storm, what God is up to in the middle of our mess. And we lose sight sometimes of the voice of God in our lives when chaos is all around us, when we are mired down with so many competing voices. I think we fail sometimes to be able to hear the voice of God in our lives. God's voice speaks to us in so many ways, and you've heard us talk here before about some of the simple ways that we can hear the voice of God. We hear God's voice from his word. 
Uh, we hear God's voice from spiritual leaders, pastors, and teachers in our lives. We hear God's voice directly from him through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, through his prompting and leading as the Holy Spirit guides us. We, we hear from God when we hear from his body, members of the body of Christ that speak into our lives and, and share with us testimonies or things that God is doing for them or has shared with them. And there is no question that his word is going forth. He is speaking all around us. But the question I think that really has to be asked in each of our lives is, are we listening? He is speaking. There is no question. Many people are going around like, I haven't heard from God. Well, he is speaking. The question is, are we listening? With so many competing voices clamoring for our attention in our world, with the never-ending news cycle and the constant news feed on every social media platform, uh, in the 30s, Herbert Humphrey ran uh, for president on, on, on a, his campaign promise was that he'd put a chicken in every pot. We were at a time of great um, uh, food crisis in America, and that was his campaign. I think someone could win today if they would run a campaign of a device in every hand, uh, because that seems to be the case for most of us, a device in every hand and countless others in every room, every car, truck, plane, boat, and train, devices everywhere, on every sidewalk, restaurant, store, and business with so much noise being generated by the talking heads or the fingers of basement warriors, the question we must ask ourselves today is with all of the incessant noise in our world, have we lost sight of the one voice that matters? Are we listening? And as we approach the end of another year, what for some may have been really the longest two years that you've ever thought you'd have to endure, yeah, you ought to reflect but I think you ought to also consider those things that have occurred, but without not just dwelling there, but looking up and looking ahead and looking longingly at what is to come. The Bible is filled with scriptures that show to us the dichotomy of reflection of what has been and looking forward to what is ahead in faith. Uh, Psalm 30 and 5 is one of my favorite passages. It says, his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. 1 Peter 5 and 10, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. In other words, for those of you that were sold a bill of goods that said, come to Jesus and watch all your problems disappear, come to Jesus and life becomes a constant diet of peaches and cream, strawberry and champagne, I'm sorry that you were misguided. The truth is that we all have to live life, and life occurs to everybody. It rains on the just and the unjust, the Scripture says. And so as human beings living in the year 2021, to say that we can live and not be affected by the world around us is a misguided fairy tale. The reality is living for Jesus does not exempt you from real life, but it gives you hope, and it gives you a reason to endure. And it gives you a purpose for your pain. It gives you a solace in the storm. It gives you a dream in the midst of your dilemma. It reminds you that you aren't alone in the midst of the chaos that is brewing all around us. And as Peter says, after you've suffered for a little while, after you've battled and fought and struggled and suffered, he, who? He, the God of all peace. Who? The God who called you to share in his eternal glory. Who? The, the God who created everything and spoke the worlds into existence. Who? The same God who, 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 who robed himself in flesh and left the splendor of heaven. Who, who, who not only took upon himself our sin and our, our need for redemption, but he gave himself a name that is above every name, that at that name every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And he allowed me the privilege to be able to cry out to his name in my darkest moments, and he will respond. He declared that his name is Jesus, and he steps into the midst of my chaos, and sometimes he declares, you've had that suffering long enough. Uh, Jesus, after you've suffered a little while, he steps in and he restores you. He sustains you. He supports you. He strengthens you and he places your feet on a firm foundation. And he gives you hope for the future. One of the beautiful things about my God is he has a plan for your tomorrow that you haven't even dreamed of yet. 
He who knows the beginning from the end invites us to step out of the pain of yesterday and to step out of the chaos and the dilemma that have beaten you down and caused you to live in fear. He calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has a hope and a future and a created plan just for you. The prophet Jeremiah, who has just watched his nation go through a terribly destructive time, he has seen his countrymen hauled off into captivity First, a large group taken into Assyria, and then a second remaining group of people taken into the nation of Babylon. He has seen his city ravaged and burned to the ground, and he begins to prophesy to his countrymen of a time that is to come. It's off in the distance. It's almost too good to be true in the midst of the devastation that he is experiencing. And over and over in the 29th chapter of Jeremiah, he repeats these words. He says, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. And finally, we come to a popular part of Jeremiah's prophecy, one that we use regularly from Jeremiah chapter 29. It says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Now, I readily recognize this morning that we're not in Babylonian captivity. Any of you that feel like you're in Babylonian captivity, please see me after service. We will have a special prayer meeting, and we'll enlighten you on just how bad Babylonian captivity was. But many times the events and the prophecies that occur in the Old Testament They present us with principles and spiritual lessons that are eternal in nature. In other words, what occurred 4,000 years ago, it did have a specific meaning and a specific context for the group of people hearing it, but because it is included in God's word, it is for you and I today as well. And therefore, it is more than just a history lesson. It is a living, breathing, active document in our lives today. And the principles that can be learned from these amazing passages can speak to us in our current context when applied correctly. So anytime we find a scripture, particularly in prophecy, that is in repetition, in other words, when the writer repeats it over and over and over again, particularly in the voice of prophecy, it causes us to wake up and pay attention, if you will. And again, Jeremiah used this idea of repetition, calling us to hear what the Lord is saying. And he declares that for those returning from captivity after seven years, he had plans for them to prosper them, to give them hope, and to give them a future, plans for good and not for disaster. And he promised that when they cried out to them, he would hear them. If, he, if they sought for him sincerely with all their heart, they would find him. Again, it was written to a very specific group of people in a very specific context. But the spiritual premise that is contained in those passages remains very much alive. We are God's people. We are called by his name. We were in exile because of sin, trapped in darkness, reaping the just rewards of our sinful activity, and destined for a future with no hope. But he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, and he gives a hope and a future, and he has plans for us. The principle remains that as his children, when he calls us for his purpose, and if we search for him, we will find him when we are willing to search for him with all of our heart. Can you say amen? You may not have been trapped in physical captivity today, but because of sin, you were trapped in spiritual captivity. But the blood of Jesus shed at Calvary sets you free, and the plans that God has for your life, the stuff he dreamed up for you before you were ever born, can be revealed and brought to fruition when you submit yourself into his hands and you seek for him. Are we listening today? Are we listening? In the midst of our losses and our chaos and our confusion and our calamity and our noise and all of the stuff that is loudly declaring in our world today, can we still hear the voice of the Father calling us to come out onto the water, to come deeper, to step out of the boat, to dream big and to reach ahead into the plans that he's declaring over our lives? Are we listening today? I think sometimes... And I could be wrong, but at least it works this way in my life. I think sometimes familiarity causes us to pay less attention to the voice that is speaking to us. Think about it. How many times do you have to repeat yourself to your kids? They've heard your voice a thousand times, and yet a thousand and one, you got to tell them to pick their socks up off the floor. 
put their shoes away. Wives, how many times do you have to verify that your husband heard what you were saying? And husbands, how many times does your wife tell you that she's already told you something that you claim you didn't hear? Say amen or oh me, it's still the truth. Sometimes I think if we aren't careful, we begin to take for granted the voices of those that are very familiar to us, and we miss important parts of the conversation. Is it possible sometimes that we are so filled with opportunities to hear the voice of God, we are so surrounded by so many things that speak God's word and his thoughts into our lives, that we no longer revere God and his word in such a way that we hang on every word like we used to? When I was first dating my wife, she would go back to Wisconsin in the summertime, and uh, she's here in second service, so when I say this, I know I'm probably going to get in trouble, but um, I'm going to do it anyway because it meets my point, and it's true. And uh, It was a long-distance call, and there were no cell phones or unlimited plans, so the meter would be clicking very quickly when the moment I dialed her number and when we'd get on the phone, but because of the value both literally and figuratively, the value of that call, I hung on every word. I got rid of all the distractions. I took the phone into my bedroom and I shut the door and I locked it. I didn't have the TV on. I wasn't trying to look at Facebook while we talked. I was invested in the conversation, literally, right? Any of you ever had a uh, a girlfriend back then that you had to talk to on a phone that was long distance, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, there was an investment in that relationship. And if you know my wife, you know she can talk. <laughs> she slowed down a lot. When we were dating, she got every one of her words in every day. And I was really quiet, so I'd just sit and listen. And I talk a whole lot more now than I ever did then. She's had to slow down because I sped up. But I would sit and listen and let her talk and share and dream, and I valued every moment. After 27 years, I still look forward to her phone calls. When her face shows up on my screen, I look forward to answering those calls. I still look forward to talking with her and enjoying our conversations. But I'm also not going to lie. There are times that as she talks, I sometimes get distracted. And I don't always hear everything that is being said like I used to. Sometimes it's the TV or sometimes it's life or sometimes it's what's in my hand. And because of that, I miss some of the key details sometimes. And if you know me, I tend to be a headline guy and my wife tends to be all the story, right? All the details. And so that I have to go back sometimes and ask her to repeat that. And she'll say, I already told you. Am I the only one? Are we listening today? And so as I mentioned, Jeremiah, some very part, smart person in the room probably said, why do you read from Isaiah if he's going to talk about Jeremiah? Jeremiah was speaking to people who were going into captivity and hoping someday for a return. But the prophet Isaiah was a prophet who spoke in the pre-exilic world of Israel. So Jeremiah is speaking to people that are in the process. But Isaiah is talking to them long before they went there. And Isaiah was speaking prior to the fall of Jerusalem and God's people being taken into bondage. And Isaiah warned that this time was going to come. And he declared that judgment was coming because of the sin of the world. But he also declared hope for deliverance. Ironically, I find the same theme throughout Isaiah that I find in Jeremiah. This constant call to listen and to hear the voice of the Lord. To listen to the words that were being spoken, to wake up and hear, to not be taken in by all the competing voices, but to actually hear the voice of the Lord. Now, if you still have your Bibles open, the book of Isaiah chapter 51, or you can follow along on the screen. Everything I've said so far today really is trying to establish a foundation for what I feel like God has been directing me with over the last couple of weeks in this particular passage. Throughout the cha this chapter, Isaiah calls for the people of God to listen. Why was that so important? Throughout Israel's history, for large blocks of time, Israel suffered through something I, I think is indicative really of all of humanity in general. I would call it the cycle of rebellion. The cycle of rebellion. And, and this is how the cycle of rebellion works. Man is at a place of rest with God. We are living for him, pleasing him, doing what we should, living at peace with God. And then 
we rebel, we violate God's law, we kick against God's plan, we alienate ourselves from God, we allow sin to separate us from God, uh, we rebel. And then God allows retribution to come upon us. God lifts his protection off of man. He allows the results of his sinful lifestyle to catch up to him. He begins to see the consequences of his actions, and he begins to see his need for God once more. And so man repents. He returns to his creator. He acknowledges his wrong. He makes restitution when necessary. He turns his life around, and then God restores. He brings man back into relationship, and he fights off the enemy, and he brings us back to a state of peace and security in him. And we find ourselves once more at rest until... We rebel once more. It was a pattern in the nation of Israel from the time of the judges forward. Over and over, this constant rebelling against God, God allowing the enemies to overtake them. The people repent. God restores. People live at peace until they rebel again over and over and over and over. And finally, we learn through Scripture that God had seen and heard enough. And he allows this chosen group of people to be taken into captivity and to suffer for a little while. But he didn't leave them without hope. Isaiah was the prophet of that hope. In spite of what God had shown him was coming, in spite of the pending doom of destruction that was going to fall on his beloved nation, God revealed to him that a redeemer was coming. Uh, A hope was in that redeemer. There was a restoration that was going to come, a time when the people and the nation would be restored. And so when we come to chapter 51, which is where my, my main message, part of my message is coming from today, God is speaking through Isaiah, beginning with this energetic and really emphatic call to listen. Notice what he says in Isaiah 51 and 1. He says, listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. He calls on them to hear, to listen. I think, if I'm being honest, this is man's most difficult lesson to learn, to actually listen. We, uh, we used to make the statement that you have two ears and one mouth, use them in that order and in that level of volume. But so many times we don't, do we? We don't seek first to listen. Most of the time we seek first to get our thoughts out so that they're into the world. Think about how many times does Jesus literally say, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus doesn't say, he that has tongues to talk, let him talk. He doesn't say, he that has noses to sneeze, let him sneeze. He says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. He gives us a command that deals directly with our willingness and ability to listen. What's what's God saying? He's saying, please listen to what I'm saying. How many of you parents do the same thing? You look at your kids and say what? Listen. Do you see the words that are coming out of my mouth? Listen. When Abigail was little, it's probably about two, uh, my son Jordan was involved with Bible quizzing, and he was at uh, our pastor and his wife's house. They'd gone to a quiz tournament, and we were going to pick him up. And uh, Abigail was in the back seat of, or the seat of our van, and I was driving. And I told them after we picked up Jordan, we would go to McDonald's, and we would get them some lunch. And we're going down the road, and uh, we have to pass by McDonald's on the way to the Thompson's house. And so my daughter said, Dad, McDonald's. And I said, I know, but we got to get Jordan first. He's at the Thompson's. But Dad, McDonald's. I said, I know, but we got to go to jo- Thompson's first to get Jordan. But Dad, I want McDonald's now. I know, but we got to go to the. And by this time, you know, my blood pressure is probably boiling and I'm getting frustrated and irritated and way more irritated my wife because she thought it was hysterical. Um, but, uh, so we go past the McDonald's and I said, Abigail, I told you, I've told you, we will go to McDonald's when I pick up Jordan, we will be back to there. We will go. And, uh, I said, do you hear me? And she said, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you got it, brother Joe. I hit the brakes, I pulled into the church at the corner of Walnut Grove and Cold Harbor, and she promptly said, this not the Thompsons? It's like, you are right, it's not. Uh, listen, right? 
I mean, that's what God sometimes, I think he gets so frustrated with us because we are crying out for a word from God and God is speaking into our life so many things and we're going blah, 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 blah. And he, we're not hearing anything that he's saying because we're so busy looking for it our way, on our demand, at our time frame. We have people that are literally running from church to church, preacher to preacher, place to place, seeking God for a word. There are many who, as we move into a new year, are running around looking for a word from the Lord, growing frustrated because they aren't getting what they want to hear. And God is simply speaking nonstop, but are we listening? So he declares, listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the mine from which you were dug. What's he saying here? He's saying, consider where you came from. The reason that we know this is because in the next verse, he begins to take them on a journey through history. He starts with their patriarch Abraham and his wife Sarah, who were old and childless, and yet God birthed a nation from them. He reminds them of what he's done in the past. Why? Because remembering what God has done in the past gives us hope for what he can do in the future. Some of you may be here today, and you may be struggling for direction You may be seeking God for a fresh word for your life. You may be desiring to know what his plan for your future may look like. You may feel hopeless and hurting and wondering what God can even provide for you. And I'm saying today that if you are listening, God's word for you may be to consider the rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were dug. Consider all that God has done to bring you to this place right now. Consider the things you went through that made you strong in this moment. Consider the ways that he led you through the wilderness to get you here Consider the highway he cut right in the middle of the desert. Consider the path of righteousness he led you on to get through the midst of tumultuous times. Remember the time he healed you. Remember the time he provided for you. Remember the time he miraculously saved you. Remember all that God has done. You know why Pastor Thompson sold so much and why he shares it so often? Because it's a remembrance of what God has done, and it sets me up to know God can do it for me. When you remember, you have hope for tomorrow. Notice what God does. He tells them to remember where they came from, and then he gives them hope for tomorrow. 51 and 3, it says, the Lord will comfort Israel again. He'll have pity on her ruins. Her desert will blossom like Eden. Her barren wilderness like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the air. When they went into captivity, that was not what they thought was going to happen. They literally saw their nation burned. They saw the walls of Jerusalem torn down. They saw everything on fire and being burned up. And God is saying, hey, the Lord's going to comfort you again. Her desert's going to blossom like Eden Her wilderness is going to be like God's garden. Joy and gladness is going to be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the air. You ever think why we love that song, Graves in the Garden, so much? It's because God is saying, yeah, it might look like a grave right now, but I'm going to make a garden where you think it's a grave. Then in verse 4, he reminds them again, listen to me, listen to me. He tells them that his law would be proclaimed throughout the world, but he also warns them that judgment was coming. He tells them of persecution and famine and all sorts of bad stuff that was coming on the nation. And then in verse 7, he says it again, but this time he calls on a very specific people. Listen to me in verse 7. He says, listen to me, you you who know right from wrong, you who cherish my law in your hearts. Do not be afraid of people's scorn nor fear their insults. Listen to me, y'all who know right from wrong. Listen to me, you who love God's law in your hearts. Don't be afraid of those who hate you or hurl insults at you. Why? Because you love my word. That's why they're hurling them at them. It's not because of anything you did. It's because of what you're in love with. Because you love the things that are important to me. Don't be fearful of those who scorn you or hate you. And this really spoke to me, particularly in the day and age in which we live, when those who are striving to do what they know is right and are striving to obey God's word in their lives, and yet they're finding opposition in the community, find opposition in the media, where a declaration of faith is frowned upon, when one is considered a proponent of hate if one says they're a Christian. God reminds them that they weren't to have to fear. Jesus said something very similar when he said and declared in in Matthew 5, 44, he said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Folks, that's the world we are living in today. 
And I believe the world is watching to see how the church is going to respond. Are we going to lash out in hatred and anger? Or are we going to fight back? Or are we going to be the church God called us to be? To be the living embodiment of the love of Jesus Christ, which when he was falsely accused, he didn't even raise his voice or open his mouth. He accepted the hatred and the blame, and he loved the world enough to die for them. So from telling the righteous to not be afraid for the terror that they would see in spite of their love for God and the world, in his word out in the world. From there, from there, Isaiah continues to remind them of all the blessings God had placed in their life, all the times he delivered them, all the times he refreshed them, all the times he renewed them, all the times that he held them close, provided for them, took care of them, all the things that they had to be thankful for. And if you didn't take some time on Thursday and think through your life and be thankful for so many of those things, I encourage you, before you leave here today, you need to stop for a moment and thank God for all the times that he delivered you, refreshed you, renewed you, held you close, provided for you, took care of you, all the things that we have to be thankful for today. All the reasons that we have to declare God's greatness in our life. All the memories that are designed to sustain us and carry us through the tough moments that are he really doesn't. He really does that for the bulk of the rest of this chapter until we come to verse 17. Isaiah 51 and 17, this is what the Lord says. He says, Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. You who have drained to its dregs the goblets that made people stagger. At verse 17 in this passage, Isaiah begins to describe all that had befallen the nation of Israel. As he describes it as the cup of God's wrath. In other words, all the bad things that was going to happen to this nation because of their constant return to sin and in spite of all the blessings of God on their lives, because of their ongoing desire to exclude God from the process of their life, they were going to drink deeply from the cup of God's wrath. And because of the cup of God's wrath, they were going to be staggered by what they drank. And he goes on to describe the aftermath of a drunken stupor that the nation of Israel would be under due to the results of the wrath of God that they drank in because of their unwillingness to live lives that were submitted to him. Right now, our world is reeling. They are filled with anger and hostility and frustration and confusion and anxiety. One might say that we have been staggered, and our world is staggering, not from ingesting strong drink, although they do plenty of that. They are staggering from the results of living lives that are unsubmitted to God's plan. He declares that even their children are literally caught like antelopes in a net. And that to me speaks of sometimes how suffering catches the innocent as well as the guilty. That sometimes suffering falls on the just and the unjust, like the rain that falls from the heavens. And right now suffering has truly fallen on those that are evil and on those that are good. And many of you have suffered not because you did anything wrong, but because life occurs not in a vacuum but in real time. And we are staggered at the results of the calamity that occurs around us. We are struggling to get our bearing as a nation, as a global society after Two years of pandemic and economic and political and societal chaos, our world is staggered by all the things that have occurred around us. And lest we forget our enemy, Satan is very aware of the current climate of the world. And what better time for him to raise his ugly head and to create havoc among the church than during the times that our world is already staggering and needs the church to be at its very best. And then we come to verse 21, the passage I started this with today. Remember, he said to listen. Isaiah 51, 21, he says, Therefore hear this, you afflicted one, made drunk but not with wine. This is what your sovereign Lord says, your God who defends his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger. From that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. I will put it into the hands of your tormentors. So here we are once more. We get this picture of God's grace extended to us, right? We had this, yeah, you've had to suffer for a little while, but man, I'm going to give you these things. You had to drink from this goblet because of the life that we would live, but after you've done it for a little while, I'm going to take it out of your hand and you will never have to drink from this again. Yes, we've been through tough times and yes, we've been staggered by the cup of misery and suffering so much and so many have had to carry. Some of you had to carry more than others. Some of you right now are staggering under the weight of grief and loss and pain and people's perceptions and frustrations on the job and financial woes and relational problems at home and in the family, struggles with your kids. So much in our world that we've ingested that caused so much to stagger. 
But today, God steps in and says, I'm taking from you the cup that caused you to stagger, the drink that was not wine that caused you to act drunk, the cup of misery that caused you to stagger, I'm taking it from you. And from that cup, I will never make you drink again. See, the beautiful thing about life is this. You and I were born into sin, and we were destined for hell, and we were destined for the grave, and we were destined to live out our life with the judgment of God placed upon us. That is who we are. But Jesus, man, y'all got quiet on that. Y'all must agree. Y'all all there, right? That's who we are. But Jesus left the beauty of heaven, robed himself in flesh, came and lived for 33 and a half years that he might die for you and I to take the, the results of our sin, the wrath of God that we deserve upon himself so that we don't have to live with it. And guess what? Though we deserve to drink for the rest of our life out of the wrath of God goblet, uh-uh. God gives us a brand new cup that we can walk free of, a cup filled with joy and peace and, and his gentleness and goodness and mercy and grace. And because... We won't have to drink from that cup again. Isaiah said that God was going to take that cup and he was going to put it out into the hands of our enemies. Think about how many times we've heard messages like, those that meant evil against you, God will turn it for good. Those who come to harm you, Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Do we not trust God that the things that have caused us to stagger, that he is well able to rise up and cause them to fall? Do we not trust him enough to know that the things that have beaten us up, he is well able to overcome? We serve a God today that in his grace and mercy has already paid the price for my redemption and he has set me free. Those who come to harm you, they gotta, try, they gotta deal with God. And the enemy's drink is what he's gonna have to drink now, not me. So I'm giving you a new cup. And the beauty of this cup is once you drink it, the Bible tells me I'll never have to thirst again. You want deliverance from the cup of God's wrath? God invites us to pick up a brand new cup. If the, if the worship team would come today, there's a beautiful story in the book of John. It's one of my favorites in all of scripture because it gives us so much cool information about Jesus. But Jesus is at the, at, 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 sitting at a well and there's a woman who shows up at the well right in the hottest part of the day. Ironically, that's not when people go to drink, get water. They get their daily dose of water in the morning or they go at night in the evening time at the cool of the day. They don't come in the middle of the day at the hottest part. But that's when she came because she didn't want to be seen by others. She'd had a, she lived a rough life sure she took on a lot, of, a lot of criticism from others. She came at the time when nobody else would come. And Jesus is sitting there, and when she approaches the well, Jesus says, hey, will you give me something to drink? And uh, she looked around. She was like, sir, the, the well is deep. Uh, I don't know how you're going, you know, what do you, you don't have a pot. What, what are you supposed to do? And Jesus then says to her, if you knew who I was, if you knew who it was who asked you for a drink, you would instead have turned and asked him for a drink. And I would have given you not water from Jacob's well, not water from this well uh, to make you thirst again, but I would have given you water that when you drink it, you will never thirst again. And John then puts this little parenthetical statement in there that I love. He says, this spake he of the spirit. <laughs> I love that because he's making sure we know that you can go buy Dasani, you can go buy all different kinds of water and you can drink them and 15 minutes later, you're probably gonna be thirsty again. But when you ingest of the Spirit of God into your life, you can walk free of the judgment of this world and the godlessness of the society around us that has come to, come to harm us and you can ingest that cool, crisp water of the Spirit of God into your life that cleanses you from the inside out and begins to work in you and touch you and strengthen you and make you into the image of Christ. And you'll never have to thirst for that old stuff out there again because you took into your life the waters of salvation. If you'd all stand with me all over this house today, the reality is there are many different reasons why we come to church. There are many people that come because this is a place you were supposed to come all your whole life. That's what you were told. There are others that come because they want to see their friends. There are others that come because they want to talk to people. They're just naturally connectors and they want to do that. Um, many different reasons. I hope you came today because you wanted to hear from God. You wanted to listen to his word. 
You wanted to worship him with your whole heart. But whatever the reason was that got you here today, I hope you've heard God's word because God is reaching for you through his word today. And if we will learn to listen to him, he will call us into a life and a future that is greater than we ever dreamed of on our own. He has plans for us that are bigger than we can dream of. He has hopes for us that are greater than we can think of. And we need to do, all we have to do is submit ourselves to his plan and walk in it each and every day. So if you're here today and maybe this is your first time ever to come to church, I want to invite you today to come and connect with Jesus. Allow his presence to come into your life and allow your future to be rewritten. The future that you had planned, it can be rewritten. Maybe the future that you're walking into, all of its fallacies and shortcomings and all the stuff that comes with the problems that you've got going on, Jesus can wipe that out and give you a brand new cup to walk in, a brand new cup of salvation that allows you to live free, establishes your going, sets you up for a great eternity. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. And so if today is your first time, or maybe it's not your first time, and you've never connected to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. For everybody else that's here today, if you've come and you've heard God's word, maybe your life has been staggered. Maybe this year you have gone through some tough stuff. Maybe this year you don't understand how you're even standing right now because of all the things you've been through. I want you to know that God, who promised us that after you suffer for a little while, I will establish you, I will strengthen you, he's here today. And he will come alongside of you and give you peace and hope and joy. And he will come alongside and take care to let you go forward in his name. And so I want to open this altar as they began to sing. And we're going to trust God together today to make this day a great day in his presence. Can you say amen? Amen. He picked me up and turned me around. Placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior. Because he healed my heart, changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I thank Master, I thank Savior, I thank God. Oh, I thank God. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank Master, I thank Savior. for Jesus from the time I was 11 until I'm now. But there was about a two-year window in my life where I paraded around. I looked like a Christian. I looked apart, but my heart inside was dead because I didn't have Jesus really doing in me what he needed to do. I was broken. I was hurting. I was angry. I was frustrated. I had all the things in me that was so rotten and not what Christ wanted. 
But there was a time when I knelt in that altar right about where my wife is 11 years ago. And God worked me over in ways I had never been worked over before in my life. And I was raised in church. But God began to rip some hurt out of me and some bitterness out of me and some brokenness out of me. And he began to replace it with the joy of his spirit and the the love of God that was permeating every part of my being. And I say that today to say this. Some of us have been willing to settle for grave existence. We've been willing to settle for existence in the graveyard. We've been willing to live out our life thinking this is all I can look forward to. This is all I've got left. This is who I am. But God did not call you to live at the grave. He called you to live outside the grave. He called you to live beyond the tomb. He called the tomb to be rolled away and you to walk free. And so you can live out the results of judgment if you want to. But as for me, I'm walking in the grace of Jesus Christ who calls me to not live a life in the graveyard, but rather he says to anyone who's in me, you can be free and you can walk in freedom and you can live fresh and new. And anyone's in Christ can be a new creation. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. So if you're here today and you're struggling with that very thing, I want you to, every head bowed, every eye closed, and I don't care how strong you are in the Lord today, for those people that are here that are just coming to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to join with me in this prayer and repeat after me today, and we're going to celebrate with some folks who are going to come out of the grave today. Father, I thank you for this moment. For this moment, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. My life up till now, You've known every part of it. My shortcomings, my failures, my faults, my fallacies, my weaknesses, and even my sin. You know it all. And today, I surrender it to you. I want to walk in that new life. I don't want to live in the grave. I want to be set free. And today... I surrender to you. Lord, whatever you have for me, I want it all. The future you have planned, I want it all. And today is a brand new day in you. And I'm going to celebrate and rejoice because you have a plan for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we celebrate and clap our hands to the Lord right now? Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. Now, if today's the first time you ever prayed something like that, I want to tell you there's many more steps to living for Jesus, but right now you made angels in heaven rejoice because you chose to surrender your life to him and you wanted a new life in Christ. And so today we're going to celebrate with you. We're coming out of the grave. What do you say? What do you say we come out of the grave together today? I believe it's the will of God that we walk in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to turn it back to them and let them bring us out of the grave. What do you say? Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave.
be your name. Blessed be your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name. This song, I thank God, has been playing over and over in my car and in my office for about a week. Uh, ever since we sang it last Sunday, I downloaded it and I've been playing it over and over and it's kind of just gotten a hold of my heart. So many times I think we go through life and we don't live at a level of gratitude like we should. But man, when I realize what God has done for me, I just want to rejoice and thank God because I couldn't be here today without him. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here in this moment. You wouldn't be able to celebrate Thanksgiving without thanking God. Oh, I thank God today. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for celebrating Jesus with us over this Thanksgiving weekend. One more time before we leave, why don't we give him a very best praise in the house. Father, we glorify and honor you. We thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Great is your name, Lord. We honor and bless you. Go with your people, Lord, as we leave this place. Let us go in the power of your spirit. Lord, touching the people of God throughout this week, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Celebrate Jesus all week long. We'll join you with you back here next Sunday. Have a great time together. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, that was really